Hello and welcome to What Moves Us, the podcast where we ask what moves us or more accurately what's going to move us in future. With the Rail Innovation Group's Johanna Randall and Liam Henderson we look at debates, themes and decisions of the minutes that will impact on the way we get about in the future. Right, hi guys. Hi Liam. Hello Liam. So there's three of us in the room today which is quite unusual. Uh, we're in London and it is the 6th of July at 12.48 and we have just had our uh, bi-monthly member call which we've discussed some interesting things which we'll cover I'm sure in this podcast. Just, uh, I think the aim today is just to have a quick catch up so you all know what we've been doing and I'll call on both of you in a minute to tell us what you've been doing. Um, but yes, what have you been doing Deb? What have I been doing? Um, well, I've been doing quite a lot of work for the High Speed Rail Group. We've just had two really big kind of events that we were working towards for the work most of this year. So um, it's all right if I speak about them because they're not main innovation group things. What was innovative? Um, well, what was innovative was we, well, the High Speed Rail Group has got um, an apprentice network which we set up. Um, I set up a couple of years ago um, and we haven't really been able to do a massive amount with it because of Covid but the idea of the um, of, of setting up the network was really to try and encourage um, collaboration I suppose between particularly um, Mainworks contractors on you know, the various JVs actually working on the project but also sort of wider so obviously the high speed rail group's got quite a wide membership of companies kind of with an interest in, in building and designing high speed. So um, it was really interesting to say, see some of the, um, now we've actually managed to get the group together, there's about 80 apprentices on the network doing all sorts of different um, apprenticeships and we've got some graduates on the, on the um, network as well. And it's been interesting to see some of the kind of soft, I suppose the softer outputs from that. For example, um, some of the different joint ventures working on HS2 have got um, apprenticeships very specific to HS2 um, called quality apprenticeships. So they're like apprentices looking at kind of standards and that kind of thing on, on the project in their various companies. And it's quite nice because as a result of them all getting together at our event in May, um, several of the different um, apprentices from Balfour Beats of Energy, Align, JV, SCS, who are all uh, quality apprentices, but have kind of formed a little informal sort of network of their own, just to talk about what approaches the different joint ventures take around the fact that they've all got these similar apprentices. So um, it was really nice to see that, because that kind of is exactly why we set the network up. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that was really good. And we also got them to do a, um, a panel at our big annual conference in Birmingham a few weeks ago. Um, we got the apprentices to do a panel, and it was quite a high level conference. You know, we had like Andrew Stevenson spoke, and um, we had Peter Henson, Peter Hendy from uh, you know Network Rail, etc. Um, so it's quite a big deal for them to actually have their own apprentice sort of panel. And um, do you? I'm curious because I didn't get to go to your conference. Do you think that the audience members? and the more senior people indulge the apprentices or actually listen to their viewpoints? I think there's been quite a lot of, uh, as always with these kind of things, it's a really difficult balance because we set the apprentice network up and it's a great 
thing to be able to talk about for our group because it sounds good <laughs> you know and uh, we can kind of ask the apprentices to talk on our behalf and give that kind of perspective of a younger person in, earlier on in their career which you don't hear a lot about particularly in rails as we all know everyone in rail is um, really old so um, <laughs> <laughs> including <laughs> us <laughs> So, you know, but, but I think, you know, so there's been, I have worked really hard to not sort of, you know, because we have had sort of the, let's kind of roll out these apprentices at every opportunity. And I'm really, you know, go to great lengths not to do that because it's really unfair apart from anything else because they're all really busy and, you know, they need to, if they're going to give their time, it needs to be of value to them, yeah. not of value to um, us as an industry group or, the, you know, the industry generally. Although, of course, it's, you know, it is great to show that face of, you know, construction, rail, infrastructure, what have you. So, um, short answer is, I think there, there is some some of that happening, but I think there are, you know, for example, we, this is another informal kind of um, win, I suppose. We got, um, we got some, I got an invite to a dinner which Atkins are doing, which is on the future of rail. So I said, well, can we have two places, please? And can, you know, one of our members bring one of their apprentices? Because obviously if you're talking about the future of rail, you actually want some few people under 50 in the room, <laughs> dare I say. So, you know, and I know that people like, you know, Rhea are really good, you know, they do their kind of innovation. Trailblazer. Trailblazer yeah. event, which is, you know, where they encourage people to bring, a, you know, someone who's early running their career and all that sort of thing. So we're not certainly not the only ones doing that kind of thing, but it is, you know, it does give us a pool of apprentices and grads to reach into, so it's an easier way of contacting, you know. Right. Um, and we're going to do some a big project with SCS for National Apprenticeship Week, which is February next year, I think. So, right. But yeah, no. So that's taken up quite a lot of my time. Wonderful. And also, I've been obviously giving a great deal of thought to the uh, high-speed rail freight logistics work. Oh, tell us what happened with that. Well, um, as you all know, but I will say it because there might be people listening that don't know, um, we kicked off a piece of work last year looking at how we could bring logistics and rail into uh, a place where they can actually be useful to each other, i.e. can we map sort of logistics routes onto rail and bring, so we can bring parcels more sustainably, particularly into town centres, which as everyone knows is quite a challenge at the moment for logistics companies um, with all of the kind of not just congestion, pollution, etc. Um, so um, we kicked off with a thought piece which we um, pulled together from across our sort of membership. When I say we, I'm talking about the Rome Innovation Group now. Um, and then we um, held a round table session where we actually managed to get some logistics people around the table, which is something that you know, although there's been quite, there is quite a lot happening in rail to try and see how this might be better um, sort of delivered in terms of you know getting parcels onto trains. Essentially, um, it always felt like there was never any logistics people in the conversations. I mean, DFT have run webinars, which I've been on, all that kind of thing, but it always seemed like it was rail people talking to themselves about how important it was, um, and that's I'm not disrespecting you know, DFT, when I say that, I think it's quite difficult to, for certain sectors to come together. And especially if there's a lot of commercial sensitivities around logistics, of course. But anyway, we just managed to stalk people on LinkedIn, basically, which worked very well. And we've got, you know, we've got a representative from Amazon, 
DPD, DHL, uh, Royal Mail Group. Um, so it was a really interesting set of discussions which we had just before Christmas, where we did sort of unpick some of the some of the challenges, but we then felt like we needed to get to the next sort of point, which was to sort of get into more detail around some of those. So we're now looking at doing that. Um, and we're thinking about doing some sort of a hackathon event. The University of Birmingham are quite interested in partnering up, so I've spoken to colleagues there and they are sort of on board. DPD are quite interested in supporting us specifically on this, so that's really, really exciting. So I think we're going to do some kind of a week long, I know this sounds quite, you know. A lot. A lot. <laughs> but we have talked about the possibility of doing like a week long project whereby we perhaps kick off with a face-to-face -face thing at the beginning of the week uh, where we get some people to kind of speak, maybe get some good practice, DPD of just piloting a really good rail um, and logistics project in Germany and they think it might be possible to perhaps bring a couple of people over from who are leading on that to talk, to, to talk at, that, at that session, which would be brilliant. Well, they come so as cargo. Pardon? Well, they come as cargo. Yeah, they would come in a uh, box. Right. Yeah, in on, on a Eurostar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a test. <laughs> Hopefully, with some holes in it so they can breathe. <laughs> so um, yes, so that's quite exciting. I mean, because obviously we know that we've got a lot to learn from Europe. Are we allowed to still say that? But it's true. Um, so that would. Be but they're still good. our friends, Debs. They are our friends, and you know, I think this is always really. Been, if you're going to get people to think about the sort of challenges, it's quite good to get somebody who's a bit further ahead on having some success in a project. Yeah. To talk and to be honest, hopefully the um, uh, the person from the he's the chief network planning and optimization officer, wow. who we've been connected up with. But then I think. Our sort of vague plan is that we then have like a series of workshops throughout the rest of the week, which could just be online, you know, they don't have to be in the room, where we've got particular people talking about very particular challenges that we have already kind of worked out and can sort of play back at the end. So then we'll get people to kind of have those workshops and then the day five, bit of the day or day whatever um, would be those workshops playing back their kind of discussions and findings to a kind of panel of people which you know our sort of A list for that would be someone like maybe Keith Williams of the Williams Shatch report you know one right. of you because I would imagine he would be quite interested in having been chairman of Royal Mail and John Lewis yeah do you know what I mean he's got that yeah. kind of rail logistics kind of connection might be a little bit tenuous but anyway i don't think it is actually i think he would be really good whether we, whether we get him or not who knows um dpd ceos kind of possibility possibly someone from eurostar i mean if we could get jacks to mass that would be amazing and obviously we've got hs1 on board so they they, they would be really used to being in sort of helping us with that there's the freight team lead at the GBR transition team because obviously we'd have to have them on board. Um, there's a few other people, Logistics UK probably. Just have a sort of panel of interested senior people that could we could play that back to and obviously an audience as well. Yeah. So that's the sort of plan anyway. So that's quite exciting and it, if it's going to happen it's probably going to happen in December because that's the sort of timetable that 
University of Birmingham are keen on. Just before Christmas again? Just before Christmas. Just before Christmas. Yes. And all the these people are very busy. I was going to say, <laughs> when, when, when um, logistics becomes pretty important. Yes, well, it would have to be early December to get anyone sort of there, probably. But I don't know if we want, you know, we, we don't necessarily need a load of kind of senior people to be in the workshops. Well, I think we need people that are kind of open minded. Thinkers, Sounds like a really you know, interesting event, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it could be really good. So that's the plan. I'll probably stop talking now. Should I be talking for 12 minutes, 37 seconds? You have, and I'm just very <laughs> subtly going to move the recorder to charge it whilst, uh, whilst I then ask Johanna what she's doing. Oh God, I forgot what I was doing. I was so busy listening to Debs that, uh, that I forgot what I'd been doing because I was thinking of all the sorts of things I had been doing and uh, I completely went off on a tangent. Um, so what have I been doing? So I, mean, I have been doing a huge amount of different things and networking and that. So I've been doing lots of things with Rhea. And my voice was sort of like going up and down there. You went to the Trailblazers, didn't you? I did go to the Trailblazers. It was a really good event. And I think one thing I probably noticed, and I don't know whether this is kind of a post-pandemic thing, but I think there were certainly a lot more younger people in the room or in in the space, because obviously it's at the Oval, so it's an open air space. Um, And a lot of different people. So, you know, met lots of, you know, in interesting people that are coming into the industry and obviously the the whole thing about the trailblazers is that you know somebody senior from the organization comes but they bring a younger friend yeah. and that certainly seems to be taking off so yes i you know had a good had a good evening there and also in the pub afterwards too so so, so that was so that was a good night um, had by all i think and as ever um lorraine martins was there and you know, always full of inspiration. So it's always, you know, now because she's left Network Rail and now works for Nichols Group. So, you yeah, know, always good to hear her experiences from construction and travel. Um, but also been doing lots of stuff with um, Rhea, you know, just sort of like some consultation stuff on Great British Railways, um, uh, particularly um, around sort of like the whole branding and communications and. And, and all that sort of thing, and all the cultural change, and now and like, oh, there's going to be some cultural changes. Yes, yeah, I was one of the challenges <laughs> to the cultural work stream. You'd love to see. You'd love to see the the behaviours that I said were very important. I think um, petulance. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I mean, and that's the interesting thing about the whole cultural change because I've done two pieces of work now on the whole cultural piece because one is part of the overall consultation for GBR with the task force but also um, with um, one of the organisations I work with Fuel Communications we did a workshop at the RIA Innovation Conference on the cultural change and we we had you know, different personas that you know that we identified within um, and we worked with the delegates to come up with sort of like some of the things that you know that culture needs to point to and how you change the culture and that but I I I mean I'm I'm wordless you know because nobody really knows how to change it and I think you know and I'm gonna mention the dreaded strike twice as well. So yeah so part of that challenge is is that you've got this disconnect haven't you between the people that are actually leading the change and the people that will be responsible for delivering the change and i think that's part of the tension 
of why we're, you know, why we've got industrial relations problems because nobody's talking to the people on the front line about yeah. what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting because I work with you know various organisations within this. Nobody in the rail industry knows what's happening. You know, somebody I worked with went to a briefing yesterday, and they, and they just said to me, you know, yeah, they, they, still don't they, know they, don't, they still don't know what's happening, and they said it was just like they were patting themselves on on the back for what a great job we've done in the last twelve months, but still, but nothing has changed. Nothing is going to change. Yeah. So, so, so that's so that's sort of like you know one of the you know one of the things that I've been working on, but. As a result of your know, breaking news, oh. um, as a result of the um, the work I've been doing through this, is that I've been meeting and engaging with lots of people I wouldn't normally meet, instead including the head of transport for Google, and they've confirmed they will host the Rail Innovation Group at their offices at King's Cross. Oh. So we've got that to plan for the autumn now. So that is going to be really exciting for us and our members for the autumn, yes. probably Ooh. sometime after on in a trends and before our December. Yeah. Here first. <laughs> hooray! Hooray! So, so that's the <laughs> So, so that's the really interesting breaking news. And I've Good also job. been immersing myself in all things Scotland. Now yes. I live in Scotland. So, um, so I've been involved in Women and Rail Steering Committee, and that's my second mention of the strike, because um, we were due to hold an event on one of the strike days. Yeah. And we were having Jenny Gilruth, the Transport Minister, um, as the keynote speaker for a panel event, all about you know the future of diversity in rail and why it's key to the success of rail that we should have diversity. So, um, so that was cancelled, and at the moment, fingers crossed, um, we have that rearranged for the 13th of September in Glasgow. So that will hopefully go up again soon. So um, um, we have other speakers. So I know some people would have heard of Heather War, who is a driver for Freightliner um, and also a member of Women in Rail Scotland as well. So, so she was one of our panellists and we had um, Joanne Maguire, who is the new COO for ScotRail as well. So we had sort of like a really good panellist and, and Shona Clive, who is part of the um, the engineering cluster. So some really good women speakers. That's I'm really looking forward to that event going mm. ahead in the autumn now. And what do we think about Scottish independence rearing its head? Oh, again? controversial. We have to go to the politics. Well, let's apply it to a rail. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, you know. It's you did notice that the HQs, the short list of HQs, not one of them was in Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland. Well, when they got the golden, oh, sorry, the golden was just dropped from HS2 very um, subtly. Um, That's the bit we're that connects. Weirdly, at the same time as the, the um, Prime Minister won his vote of no confidence, which is an interesting, completely random connection. The fact that the 1922 chair is actually the golden links in his constituency, but I'm sure that was just a complete coincidence. I'm sure it was. Because we're not seeing anything else. No, other than a complete coincidence. But that does have really big implications that link being dropped with no other um, kind of. Um, but do you think. No other way of getting enough trains onto that line to get to Scotland. So, again, the aspirations of a three hour journey time to Scotland or around three hours has taken a bit of a hit. But it's gone. I'm going to let you speak first, Liam. It was just a question. It was. which could be looked at in a positive way. HS2 was presented originally as the Y shaped network, and that was it. And then, obviously, what's been discovered over the last year is it's actually flexible. So, yes, that link has gone, yes, the East Midlands. 
log of it has gone. But does it not open the door to, oh, we can tweak it now. We can, we're allowed to influence what happens in future. And it might be a more incremental approach, but it means yeah, that I mean, I think we can respond. Yeah, I agree. I think an incremental approach is, 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 is fine. And in, the, in some ways, it's possible to bring benefits much earlier. Some of those benefits to, the, to, to those places on the eastern leg are going to be in like 2045 or something. Do you know what I mean? So I'm all for that. But what's, what needs to happen quickly, really, is, is that some of those alternatives some of those connections need to be worked out and progressed. And there's loads of stuff around electrification, like for example, up to Yorkshire and all that, which is, you know, there's hardly any electrification around Sheffield or anything. But all of that stuff over whether it's uh, connectivity to Scotland, whether it's uh, you know, more electrification, that it's, you know, it really sort of like beggars belief in the context of the wider. Yeah, environmental carbon neutral yeah, yeah carbon zero um, questions isn't it because I mean, like, particularly with you know war in Ukraine as well now and you know not you know not being able to get gas and oil now because because um, I heard something yesterday that um, they're opening up coal mines again in um, yeah. Germany and we're going to make similar decisions here so our policy in terms of becoming zero, you know, carbon zero by by 2050, just is completely misaligned, you know, mm. because I'm I'm coming up to my my year anniversary of being in Scotland, wow. and I've travelled every every way possible that um, that you can between between London and Scotland over the last year. So I've done, so I've so driven, you. I've done bus, I have not done Evelyn. Is it possible? No, no, if it was, I would give it a go. <laughs> but I've done, I've done, I've done car, bus, um, the night, uh, the sleeper, daytime train, and I have flown. And out of you know, by you know, and I've and I've graded them all. I should do a little piece on it, shouldn't I? I've mm. graded them all. Sure. And once you put in price, time, convenience. Flying is my preferred method. I mean, like I've only done it once because yeah. I do generally get the daytime train. Mm. But flying was just like the most convenient, and it's just I mean, it was just so easy because I can drive straight into the airport. It takes me just over an hour. I can pre-book my car parking. I can do priority you know, boarding through the you know through security and everything, and I can be sat on the plane within two and a half hours of leaving home. Mm. I'm not. If I go by train, I still haven't even reached Edinburgh in two and a half hours. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of like you know that's sort but that's of what because you're, the airline, you know, flying is subsidised, isn't it? Essentially. Well, it is. You know, but but you know, but you see, that's why I say policy is just so, so misaligned. Yeah, exactly. You know, why do we see? You know, why do we subsidise? You know, roads and air, which are you know like the, the biggest polluters, but we don't. But you know, it's we can't we can't subsidise. You know, it's mm. like all about treasury putting pressure. Mm. You know, saying well, we've got to be more efficient. You know, I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't be more efficient, but you know, yeah. why why is it that you know it's all about subsidy rather than actually promoting better okay, behaviour? So the whole levelling up thing, you know, government agenda, which is you know, I mean, I know nobody we don't want to say it, but it's about tackling inequality. That's you know, essentially, isn't it? Um, that's the precious little ever mentioned. There certainly wasn't in the levelling up white paper about transport actually and transport such a driver you know around you know business you know all sorts of things health yeah inequality and, this, 
all those things are, you and know, this and this will and this will be the same for you know parts of rural England and Wales as well is that because because the other thing that I've been involved uh, with in in, for, in the Scottish context is um, I've been working with um, this the Scottish um, rural and islands transport community which is a um, a community what do they call them a CIC what does CIC stand for community interest corporation that's it yeah so um, so I've been working with them and they've been doing a consultation um, with the um, Scottish government on rural transport issues, mm-hmm. yeah, and and um, it's just it's just gone into Scottish government this week. I'm mean, and listening to sort of like some of the stories of people. I'm mean, like, yeah, <laughs> it is unbelievable, you know. Like, you know, if you've got a hospital appointment, sometimes it's a three day round trip for people in rural Scotland, you know. So yeah, so the context of like when you you know sort of like think about HS two and actually connectivity into London for most people probably or anywhere into England probably isn't that important from a rural context in Scotland because the actual connectivity within Scotland itself needs to be you know um, improved and not just you know from rail but from a whole public you know transport point of view you know because I don't think the stories of how bad some of the ferries have been and you know and how you know sometimes because I remember listening you know, when we were doing the consultation listening to a chap who said you're when you have to go somewhere and you live on an island your your first question is not you know sort of like you know how do I do the journey I'll just go on the transport planner you know and find out the times buy my ticket etc it's will it run and what contingencies do I need to put in place because you don't put enough contingencies in you're not going anywhere mm, or you're not getting home or you're not getting home yeah. And, yeah. That, and, and obviously within the context of the, I'm going to mention it a third time the strikes <laughs> because um, there's been the strikes have been going on a lot longer in Scotland than mm-hmm. they have in the rest of the UK because there's different issues going on and they're on work, working to rule. So this emergency timetable has been in since May, and quite often you can go somewhere, but you can't get back because mm-hmm. the train service finishes yeah. at six o'clock, which is inevitably just pushing everyone back into their cars because you know within reason you can always rely on your car you can get in it and get where you want to go can't you whether you get stuck in traffic or not which you know you're going to get there at some point get home so that's you know that's problematic isn't it and i think to your point Liam, i'm all for being positive and not say you know not moaning on about the fact that these leg got cabs and all that kind of thing on hs2 fine but i think we are a little bit in danger of sort of it's a bit like i read something about houston the other day i can't remember what it was in the new civil engineering or something it was you know, yeah to say, you know, Euston Station was going to be a world-leading station and it's now being described as an all-right station. <laughs> functional. When functional station when it gets built. Well, you know, like, there does come a time when you have to do, have to sort of, like, revisit the business case for doing all this stuff in the first place. You can't keep on picking everything until it's just mediocre, it's, uh, can you? Uh, uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know the people who worked on St Pancras are really regretting spending that money making St Pancras a world-class station. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you think over the next te- decade we've got some serious issues around the, you know, economics here. You know, like cost of living crisis, not looking, you know, inflation, yeah. you know... <sighs> know but you see, some aside from the politics and the fact that you've just lost the Chancellor who's trying to be... Yeah. sensible about money um, and you've now got a chancellor just come into place who is talking about tax cuts yeah inevitably investment is going to be hard to get I would imagine but I'm just 
going full circle, the very first time we did a podcast, we were in Soho, and Johanna and I talked about the Elizabeth Line, Crossrail as it was then, mm-hmm. being delayed, and it was penalising people who needed level access. Yeah. We're now recording this summer 22, the Elizabeth Line is open, mm. and it's fabulous. Yeah. And it's so interesting, that the fact that you can see that they didn't scrimp on loads of the infrastructure, mm. because it's absolutely enormous. Yeah. And it's completely different to the tube yeah and i am stunned how it's got through this entire delivery without being engineered down mm. to a low quality because they push some of the cost into the city didn't they so when they you know, so when they so they made yeah, third, business third, 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 yeah yeah they you yeah. know so there was so maybe that was part of it so they were maybe more conscious of the user needs that needed to be delivered and when you concentrate on the user need you don't engineer down I mean, and mm. sort of like some of those principles that were that are in Crossrail I think they have been carried over into HS2 but of course it's a lot harder because HS2 um, isn't TFL sponsored it's no. DFT sponsored mm. who are always you know um, reliant on the um, on the current minister of the day yeah. supporting the scheme and still you know and treasury you know whereas Crossrail, their their money was ring fenced. Mm. Even though they had to go back for more money, it was yeah because it had gone through so much that they couldn't they couldn't not spend the money because it would just the whole project would then be mothballed until somebody said well we should revive it and then it would just cost more and more. So it was almost face saving, wasn't it, with Crossrail? Yeah. But I would argue though on the whole investment, you know, and the cost of living, you know, and the cutbacks and that is that when you're facing a crisis like this, this is actually the time when you need, you know, true vision mm. and you need to invest more in your infrastructure yeah. because otherwise it just, you know, it, it you just go into a spiral of decline, yeah, don't you? Because I think, because I think what's interesting about the, um, the engagement with RIA and something that, you know, Darren mentioned Darren Kaplan mentioned at um, Trailblazers. Trailblazers and also at um, an event that I was at this week on enterprise models in construction and about how that develops efficiency is that we are now up to 92% of pre-pandemic levels of mm. people travelling on rail yeah. mm. and that's a really positive message mm. but what and no, leisure travel is and leisure, but, but, but that's what nobody has really got their head around and nobody's really everyone's talking about it but nobody's innovating around what this means is mm. that people's travel patterns have you know, changed, and yeah. that's what we need to be reacting to. There mm. seems to be some sort of hope that you know It'll go that back to the way it was. It will, you know, <laughs> and that's you know. So while you know, so going back to you know what people, you know, culture change, what people are talking to, you've got people, you know, saying yes, we recognise there's a change, but nobody's worked out how we're going to mm. change our behaviour and change the way we deliver rail services and that. Yeah. You know, because you know, I mean, one attempt has been made with. You know the the flexi season tickets, but to be honest, I'm going to say it, it's a rubbish product. Oh. It is an absolutely rubbish yes, product. Thank you. No, oh, yeah, nothing at all. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's spin. Yeah. It's flexi wash. Right. We've been talking a long time. So yes. what's coming we up? Have lunch now, please. We can go and have lunch, but what's coming up? We've got an event on the 20th of July. Yes. Ta-da, an in-person event. Yes. Um. We, oh, well, we did have lots of Munch and Learns. We learnt a lot about Munch and Learns this springtime. They've been very successful. Um, you can watch them all on YouTube. But coming up, we have a work stream. Tell us about our work stream. 
What the high speed rail and freight works through? No, you talked about that before. Oh, which other works through? Innovation. Oh, one, innovation one. Sorry, yes. What we are thinking about doing, and we just mooted it with our, on our Munch and Learn earlier on um, today, is we are thinking that what we might want to do is look at the, the company, small companies, startups, etc., that receive funding from various places that they receive funding from, so Innovate UK, etc., 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 and see if we can do some kind of um, some more in-depth work, probably through the medium of interviews, um, to, to try and work out why some of them have been have successfully bought products to a sort of commercially viable place within the market, and why others kind of get through the funding, you know, get through the funding end of the project, and then, you know, somehow or other don't make it into market. So we want to look at things like, you know, what are the issues to see if there are any sort of trends, I suppose, within within those discussions. So is it, you know, that there's loads of moving objectives? Is it that there's cultural issues in rail? Is it that, you know, there's that a transition between how to navigate the end of the project and get to the kind of um, commercial procurement stage? Is it just that commercial procurement is too hard and people can't do it even though they've had the money to get the project? to uh, market, all those kind of things. Is the commercialization process too hard? So um, the hope is that we might do, be able to do that research with some of the companies, as I said, that received the funding, and see, you know, highlight those trends and sort of play them back to the people that give the money out <laughs> yeah. to, in, a, in a positive way to say, look, you know, these are, because obviously it's public money and it would be good to, you know, in terms of sort of efficiency and um, all of that kind of thing, if we could have um, helped to kind of pick up on some of those things. Yes, and Johanna, you did a very good bit of research online. Oh, sorry, I switched off there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What did you I find online when you searched? So, 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 what I found, so what I found online was that very helpfully that um, you could look at all the research um, that has been done under Innovate UK grant. So the information is open data, and there's been a mixture of. Um, I mean, a, a lot of money has been spent, but I on the quick and dirty research that I looked at, I couldn't find much that had actually found its way into the rail system. And also a lot of it was repeated. So you've, um, and so there was various projects using LIDAR in various ways, lots of ones looking at um, passenger movements around stations and things. So there doesn't seem, so I don't know whether it's something in the markers that they use or the evaluators for research, but there doesn't seem to be any sense check of have we done this before? Yes. Yeah. And also, somebody said, hang on, I'm just opening up my notebook again, because I hopefully, I, I hopefully shut it in the hope that I'm going to go for lunch soon. Not that I don't love doing podcasts, but you know, <laughs> I am quite hungry. But um, there was something that I made a note of in the conversation that we had on the Munch and Learn, where somebody said, actually, it's also about com- combining selected tech, tech ideas you know, should there be a mechanism for doing that, you know? Yes. Yes, that should, I wouldn't, I, that's my simple answer, but yeah, so our research might also unpick whether there might be a mechanism to do that. And also, as I said, I know DFT did do some research on it, but as I, 
I am not aware that the research has been published. No. Well, you know some friends. Find us the research. I challenge you. <laughs> right. Thanks, guys. Let's go for lunch. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Moves Us. We hope we moved you. For more episodes, you'll definitely want to subscribe to our channel. Until next time.